Welcome to the Korean American Parenting Podcast, where we share the idiosyncrasies, struggles, joys, and pains of being a Korean American parent, not just Korean or American, navigating the unique cross-cultural challenges of parenthood. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jang. Join us each week as we chat with fellow parents and parenting experts about topics like academics, health, both physical and mental, and culture. And of course, how current events such as COVID has impacted all our lives in numerous ways. Our hope is that through these conversations, we'll grow together as confident Korean American parents, raising confident Korean American children. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Korean American Parenting. And be sure to share this with a fellow parent if you find the show helpful. Thanks again for tuning in. And here now is this week's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Korean American Parenting. Uh, whenever you're listening to this and from wherever, we wish you are, we wish health, safety, and happiness for everybody. Um, 2020 has been obviously an, uh, a challenging year for, for most of us. Um, and it's just not us, Jang and myself, that have shared with that share that with you. I'm sure you've experienced it yourself and I've heard it. Um, but it's given us particular challenges and opportunities um, to spend more time with our children at home. And in that regard, we've definitely had an opportunity uh, to have a bigger voice or control over the content that they consume, whether it be what they watch on TV or on their devices, the books that they read. And so a lot of parents um, have been talking about uh, representation as it pertains to who is on these screens, who is in these books, what kind of stories are being told. And so Jeng and I wanted to spend a little bit of time today sharing with you our thoughts and our observations. No guests today on today's episode. We just wanted to share with you some of the things that we've observed and, and how we think about representation of anybody and everybody, um, particularly in media. Jeng, so you have a four-year-old at home, and mm-hmm. just like our family here, um, she has not gone back to school since this whole thing started. So before we talk about representation, let, let's think about, or let's talk about um, how much more screen time or how much more media is your family consuming in all regards, screen time and, and book time, um, relative to what she would have consumed otherwise going to school? Uh, that's a big question. <laughs> um, I get that question a lot, actually, almost every day. But um uh, my answer to because well the the questions are like well how much screen time can we give our ch- children and my uh short answer to that is like as much as you can keep yourself sane <laughs> at this point but um so okay uh all uh jokes aside um seriously the academy of pediatric american academy of pediatrics the rule of thumb uh, initially and this is before covid was that no screen time before two was recommended basically um and then it was very a little um from then on but this has been a big topic for pediatricians and psychiatrists but child psychiatrists but in this uh, era of covid 19 and a lot of virtual schools um, people are staying home what do you do the answer is we don't know um, I can tell you about my personal uh, experience. So yes, we do have a very newly minted four-year-old um, and we uh, have kept her home from, since March. Before March, we did um, do have some screen times, uh, usually in and around chika chika time. <laughs> um, so for uh, tea, 
uh, toothbrushing, we would have a, um, her choice of YouTube video. Um, and, and she will have maybe two to three YouTube videos right afterwards. So about 10, 15 minutes together, um, twice a day. Uh, and that was about it. After the um, pandemic started and she stayed home, um, our routine now has been that she um, either does the nap or um, now she's kind of growing out of the nap. So she's, she's doing an hour and a half of alone time where she can play by herself. And then we do have a cleanup time where she has to clean up after herself. Um, so if she does the alone time and cleans up, then she gets a treat like a mid, mid afternoon snack with one movie. So basically, she's been watching one Disney movie a day for the past six months. And that's not including, you know, the Chica Chica time <laughs> screen. Yeah. Does that mean she's watched the entire catalog of Disney movies? That means I have watched whole entire catalog of <laughs> Disney movies. <laughs> um, I can tell you all about what I like and what I don't like. <laughs> um, but... Um, but also she, uh, we have also used um, uh, Khan Academy as some of the kind of crutch, um, at a crutch time because um, there's a Khan Academy kit where she has actually learned like a couple, you know, letters and um, uh, numbers from there. And she, we sometimes use that as well. So yeah, all in all, maybe like two hours a day, even more sometimes. Yeah, I, th I think here um, in the Wan family, we have, stop counting or keeping track of how much <laughs> TV our kids watch. So we have an almost four-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. So we live a little bit more by the, the schedules and the demands and the normalcies of the four-year-old or the three-year-old rather than the second child. She just goes along and can't even really understand what's going on really or, or stay focused to watch an entire thing. The older one, on the other hand, he can sit there for, for until we stop him basically. Um, although surprisingly, there are many times where he just says, okay, I've watched enough. And then like, yeah, yeah my, my daughter does that too, I think. Yeah. And I'm mm -hmm. like, yo, like this is wild. But you know, they're they're smart. Like they know what shows are on what platforms. They know how to pause, you know, like we generally have relegated to um, as well, like Disney movies, uh, things on Netflix that are geared towards, uh, you know, younger children, toddlers. So shows like Number Blocks or Pororo. Or another one too oh. that he really likes is Pocoyo, which is uh, about a duck. And then most recently, uh, Grizzly. Are you watching about... these on Netflix? In yeah, these these are on Netflix and we just stream it to our TV. Um, uh, he just discovered uh, Chico and Chico and the Bonbon over the weekend. So the th these are really fun, innocent shows. Um, what, one trick that we actually used although I'm not as diligent as I can be or, or should be, is that some of these shows on Netflix actually have the ability to have uh, dubbing in Korean. Oh, so, even like American shows. Yeah, depending on the show and depending... It, it, yeah, it depends on a whole lot of other stuff. So, so I guess it really depends on what shows Netflix is marketing or made available in Korea. And if there is a language option there, then it also becomes available oh. here. And, and just like... With everything related to Netflix catalogs, everything is always changing. Um, but what I do remember to, I look at, can I show this to my kids in Korean? 
which at least is one additional way for them to hear the language and to be a little bit more familiar with it. Some of it doesn't make any sense. How, how does it go with you, though? I mean, like, does he like it? Does no, he, he, it? he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it, but sometimes you tell him, hey, if you want to watch this, this is the only way um, you get to watch it. Um, and, you know, sometimes you'll say, hey, I want to watch Super Wings, but in English. It's like, well, uh, it's not available in English today. And so sometimes we'll do that. I mean, does he actually pick up, you know, a whole lot of Korean doing it? Probably not. Even like Pororo, which is an actual Korean show, sometimes the Korean dub isn't there. So, you know, it is sort of the luck of the draw, but at least we, we do try to teach him Korean formally. But if he's going to watch TV for a lot of different reasons, you know, whether we need a little bit of uh, peacetime making food for them or just relax time or, you know, just to have a little bit of fun with them. We, we've been okay with that. Um, but, you know, it is really cool sometimes when uh, browsing through Netflix or uh, intentionally seeking out shows with characters that feature, um, you know, black-haired Korean kids or Asian kids at least, so that he sees a little bit of himself. I think that's actually really important because um, the, the, because I've been spending a lot more time with my child and spending a lot more time with the screen time <laughs> as well, that um, actually I'm seeing the impact of these movies um, even just Disney movies too, um, and how it really molds her ideas in her head and it plays out in her play um, also. And so it's made me think a lot about representation, um, not just race, but also, you know, about women, um, how women are portrayed or what girls are portrayed in these uh, movies. And, um, and how to help her so that she can internalize those things. Because um, no matter, I mean, I didn't do anything and she internalizes them as she watches. And, and I can see it in her play one, uh, in a couple of days later. So it's become, it's made me much more aware of the importance for sure. Yeah. And it, we, we often forget, I mean, you better, you understand better than most how, the, the brain develops in, you know, tiny people. Um, but it's just, they're a sponge. They observe and absorb everything around them and what becomes normal. There, there's no basis of normal, right? They just see what they see and they just, you mm -hmm. know, um, that becomes normal for them. Um, you know, I we, we talked about books before um, in, in a prior conversation of just like the impact of representation in books. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, things are getting a little bit more um, better in terms of representation on digital video media. Um, you know, for, for me, as I'm sure for you, Jang, like the whole notion of like visual representation is an interesting discussion. I know we talk about it a lot here from the Asian American context. Um, but I came here when I was eight, um, and, and you came here a little after that. Um, and so, you know, I grew up with watching, you know, I don't know, uh, Bo or whatever the heck I watched mm -hmm. you know, when I was a kid. <laughs> and so like the notion of like seeing kids that look like me on TV was just normal. Right. Um, and I guess because we othered ourselves coming to this country or we otherized ourselves, um, when we turned on American TV after we moved here, it was just like, you don't, I didn't expect to see Korean kids because this was America. And for me at the time still is like America on media representation, at least, 
is a very white place. And so, you know, when you start, when you grow up and you start to watch, whether it's cartoons, um, you just don't care or don't even think that like, oh, where are all the Asian people, right? Um, I think now we're a little bit more hyper aware. Um, obviously, the the general social uh, climate of the country is in a very different place. Um, but I, I wonder, you know, how much. I, I, I'm going to do it anyway, but I, I wonder like how much actual benefit we'll see um, in the long run of these kids now, like our kids in that generation of growing up, seeing themselves in these books and in these stories. Um, and they don't all have to be the hero. Um, they can even play side characters. And I don't mind that as long as they're not stereotyped into, you know, uh, different things. Um, but well, what's, yeah. I yeah, I mean, I think I was in a similar kind of um, team where it was kind of like, you know, for me, like um, race wasn't really, I, w I don't think I was a very aware, like I knew I was very different. And, but then also I was Korean when I moved here. I wasn't, I wasn't considering myself Korean American. And so it, it was kind of like me versus them. So um, um, I remember specifically when I was in high school um, and I was in a boarding school, so I had a um, African American roommate, um, and I had brought all these um, Korean cartoon books uh, from Korea, like the Sunjongmana, like the yeah. where like all these um, characters are, in, and I was reading it, and my roommate goes, "How come all the books that you read, these cartoon books, there are so many? They're all white." The characters right. are all white and i was like what do you mean they're korean <laughs> they're mm -hmm. korean <laughs> right and and when you do look at the pictures um after what she had pointed out yes they had uh caucasian features right big eyes really um big nose and ni nice nice flowing hair and um uh, sometimes it's just not co uh, colored right so um i think even when we were growing up um that was kind of embedded in us in that um, maybe the Western features are better. I think you're right now that it's, it's um, we're much more hyper aware. And so we're actually bringing in more cultural aspects to pictures, videos, um, shows. I think that's actually really important. Initially, I thought, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal. By looking at my daughter, I, um, it really makes a difference even in a short period of time. Take the movie Mulan <laughs> this, this year. That was a big talk of our family because we didn't know if we wanted to show it to her or not. Have, have you seen it? No. Um, I'm sure I watched the cartoon version of it. Um, but for a variety of reasons, we've decided not to watch that movie mm -hmm. in our house. Yeah, I mean, I think I was very torn with the Mulan movie because I wasn't, um, well, number one, it was like, I think it was rated um, uh, higher than um, four-year-old to watch, um, but also um, with all the kind of uh, po political and um, controversial stuff around that movie, uh, I wasn't so sure if I wanted to show it to her, but we ended up um, deciding to watch it with her. and. Um, she actually watched it two days in a row, she had requested. And after that, um, her plays, her, her imaginary play actually moved on from 
um, all the princess, like the Aurora and uh, Snow White princesses, to a warrior. Hmm. And from to this day, she's actually acting out uh, the warrior scenes. And she's the big warrior in there. And she was able to really internalize that character for herself, uh, which I, my husband and I said, well, it was worth it for us. Yeah, I, I think you make a really good valid point i you know um reasons i as an adult um chose not to watch this uh movie in our home for now um are, are generally twofold there's obviously a lot of um political innuendo behind the cast of characters um and two i just really don't appreciate an entire room full of white people telling any Asian story or anybody else's story for that matter. And if you look at who funded it, who directed it, who produced it, there's not a lot of our people in that room. And even in 2020, like who the hell greenlit this, right? Like, and it's not a lack of talent, right? There's a lot of talented Asian American folks or they could have hired consultants to be like, yes. Hey, is this, is this cool? Right. Um, you should have called me and, and we would have given some advice. Right. But you know, th but those things are literally like, you know, not anything a kid thinks about. And so do we just show it to them because any visibility and any representation is good at this point in their lives? And, and and later we can have the discussion when they're mature enough of like why, even though the representation factors were good, that, you know, mom and dad believe that we can do better, um, you know, or that, you know, they can grow up to make movies that are for and about us. Um, because it's just not you know, it's not identity politics and it's not identity representation. Um, you know, there's plenty of people that look like me and you and um, other Asian folks across the diaspora that don't necessarily uh, push a very progressive agenda or push a very inclusive agenda. And I think in the same way, when it comes to media, like, you know, there are some really, really cringy stereotypical characters that we all know from TV and movies like that. I want to avoid, but um, is it just good to get them to see more of us? Um, like to an adult version would be like crazy rich Asians, right? Like, was it the best movie that we could have made and, you know, get, got behind it as like the Asian American movie? I don't think so. Um, you know, there's certainly a lot of problems with that. Um, the cast and the storylines that they chose to depict and what really is a Singapore local and all these things that, um, we as adults know, but, it was still cool. Um, I teared up watching it because it's the first time that, you know, we see ourselves, you know, in, in a big theater. And so th there's been a lot of um, movement, I think, from Disney too, um, and, and other um, uh, studios making content for the Asian American audience. And I guess subsequently the Asian audience that can understand enough English to watch these things. Um, and so I, I applaud them overall. Um, one that I really enjoyed watching was Bao, which is, uh, it makes no sense whatsoever because the kid becomes a Bao bun um, throughout the thing. But um, it, it's a very, very short film, but it really touches in a cultural nuance of the things that, are, though, though not unique to us, some things that many Asian people feel about our love for our parents and vice versa. Um, and, and that one um, was directed and produced by our people. And so I, I think the cultural nuances are, are very well represented in that one. No, I agree. I think uh, I really liked Bao. Um, 
it really uh, portrayed the love between the mom and the kiddo in a uh, in a very very loving way with food. Of course, all Asians express their love through food, so <laughs> I think that was also a good topic. Um, I think I think one of the things that I do think about after watching the Mulan is that you know. Uh, it's a very individual decision um, whether to watch it or not. Also, it depends on the age of your child and what kind of conversation you're having with your child as well. I mean, I think I thought about this. You know, my daughter was at the time three when she watched it. And so you're right, like all the political, you know, or um, whoever was producing, all of this was kind of behind her. Like she, all she knows is that this was a character that she knew uh, and looked like her mom and herself. And um, I, I think that was what was the point of watch, her watching it. Um, if, if my child was older, even, you know, seven or eight or nine or 10, then I would have had a, a lot more com conflict and in, internal conflict about whether I want to watch this movie number two, do I want to even talk about like the, the story behind this movie so that we can, we can educate her? Is she going to be able to understand that? Um, and how do I uh, teach her uh, about all these different nuances? Um, because she, she's still young, young at that age, right? Um, so I, I think it's a, work in progress as a mom and a dad um, because we had we never had to go through it ourselves right, right? Um, so yeah. it's a new territory for sure yeah I, I think it's um it's something new that i think our generation of parents us um are having to deal with for the first time because we are still very present or at least aware of both cultures and both languages because mm. um, we sort of we might be the last really um i, I don't necessarily see my kids being in touch as much as I am um, with the Korean culture because I was born there. They were not, um, you know, uh, very, very different circumstances. Um, but I still do want them to really feel like their stories matter. Um, you know, the, the cool thing about Bao is that um, it's, it's written by a Chinese Canadian woman um, who in her own right, um, you know, worked on Inside Out 2 and other notable shows that weren't necessarily Asian. Um, but, you know, for her to tell a story about a little steamed bun that goes on to win an Oscar, um, really, really validating that her stories do matter, right? And and so, um, it, but I think, you know, that hopefully the net impact or the greatest impact of these stories being shared is not just also in and of itself cool, but that it has also um, not only inspired other creators to make more stuff, which obviously is good, uh, but for these studios to take notice and to say like, hey, if we invest in these projects that feature different things and different people, like it makes business sense for us. Because at the end of the day, for a Disney or a Paramount or a Fox to put millions and millions of dollars into these projects, they have to believe that they're going to get their money back. Right. And, and so I, I think in a way like platform streaming platforms, whether it's a Disney Plus or a Netflix, is really been helpful to sharing smaller stories or stories that um, resonate with a smaller audience is that they can really target us specifically and not necessarily have to risk going, you know, going on a 
$100 million marketing campaign to hit or miss in the big screens. Um, and so, I mean, I think also, you know, you had mentioned that, you know, you would love to have like other non-Asian American children read about Tambi. Yes. Right. It's the same thing. I think when, when these movies come out, I, I, I want them to ha have a universal theme that's relative, uh, relevant to non-Asian kids, which they do. And I, and I think that also makes a difference in the, uh, in education of non-Asian children. Yeah, hundred percent right. Um, we want them. I, I want my kids to watch other non-Asian stuff. Um, I want other non-Asian kids to watch our stuff just to understand mm -hmm. our culture better and to normalize everybody being in the same room, just themselves, and not have. I, I, I think it's both. You need the culturally appropriate stories, like a bow, because it's important. But you also want Asian people just to be a normal person in a normal movie, mm -hmm. um, because we also don't want to play the role of always typecasting ourselves into these specific roles. Um, or, you know, even stories that are just fantasy based and don't make any sense. Um, but that feature people like us, that movie, I think that is very relevant for us right now at the end of 2020 is this new movie that just came out on Netflix called over the moon, um, which boasts an amazing cast of just crazy, crazyly talented Asian Americans starting with Philippa Su, who is of Hamilton fame, um, Ken Jeong, and, and so many others who um, I, I think you put all those people on a sheet of paper and you're like, this is going to be a great, great movie because um, it tells at least, you know, without ruining the plot of the movie, you know, it, it tells an Asian American story or an Asian story in a way that it has never been done before um, with some of the myths and some of the folklore that, makes uh storytelling amazing um, but also with really relatable characters going through uh, everyday happiness and sadness that we all go through and um especially because it tackles loss and grief and mental health issues that i think uh, we often don't talk about and so you know I, I got to see a little bit more than a half of it before my son decided not to um, but I, I, I have to finish. There's it, the review. Well, but it's three. Um, uh, no, actually, no, we were watching it late at night and we had to go to bed. Jacob watched it all by himself. Um, but, but I think what, what it, I think again, far beyond representation is that, um, maybe not for three or four year olds yet, but for maybe some older ones that are watching it with their family, um, we really have an ability or an opportunity to share with our kids some of the tougher topics in life that not everything ends well and that not everything is perfect in life, um, especially in 2020 when we have to explain COVID and politics and murders and protests to these children, um, not in a way that alienates anybody from each other. Um, but yeah, um, you, you've seen the movie too. Um, what were your thoughts of it, uh, both as a parent and and as a psychiatrist in terms of just sort of talking about these issues that we often don't talk about in the community? I think, uh, well, uh, first of all, yes, my four-year-old also didn't really like watching it. She stopped after five minutes, but <laughs> I, I finished it. 
Um, I really uh, thought the message of the movie was very great and how they tied it into the, for, uh, you know, the story and the culture and the food, um, which I think is uh, quite amazing. And the character was great. I think, I think it's a kind of a movie that may be like a pre preteen um, kind of uh, preteen pre-adolescent children I really enjoy and um, be be really into it I think I have a I have a friend who has a seven-year-old and she is now like really into the character she wants to uh, did you know that there is a doll for the over the moon um, mm. now and she really wants all of that and 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 she's you know, half Chinese, and she's able to see herself in there. And so um, that's the kind of uh, impact that this movie is having. Um, I think there is definitely the cultural things that this ch little child um, had really uh, held on to um, and is able to say, well, I'm uh, part of me is in that movie. I think that's actually the biggest thing uh, that was done by this movie. Number two is uh, overall, even even if you take out the cultural aspect, the theme and the message that this movie is give, giving about grief uh, and loss for children, um, I think was really great. Kind of like Inside Out. Um, Inside Out was very, very well done in terms of how to depict the different emotions um, very creative, and this one was very creative in that sense. I think it's definitely worth watching. Um, maybe, maybe not for the three-year-olds that we have, <laughs> um, but but for you, a little bit older children, they, um, I think there's a lot of different aspects that they will take away with it. Yeah, and I'm really excited by the fact that now we're um, hopefully getting to a point where there's not a finite number of uh, movies featuring Asian kids. Right. Like mm -hmm. um, when you're in your earlier parts of trying to expand the catalog of things that exist, there's a lot of pressure on people to always be perfect, always to get it right, because there's so few examples of it. Um, but but I, I applaud, you know, whoever at Netflix believed in Asian American or Asian kids storytelling. You know, I, I, obviously they're run by very smart people. Um, there's a entire continent full of four billion people um, who would want to watch something like this. Um, and so you know, we are the largest global market for entertainment um, far beyond, you know, what Korean American or even Korea um, can mean. Even though the story wasn't necessarily Korean per se, I, I think there's so many things that are just like being proud of who you are, the food, you know, the, the emphasis on family and all these things that we want to teach our kids, but we also want to teach them by showing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in a year where we can't really spend as much time as we'd like with family, extended family, doing the things and making memories through experiential learning. Um, it's it's really cool that um, we have at least something like this to share with them. If you're a parent out there, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. If you reach out to us in terms of what are your, some of your favorite shows that you share with your kids? Um, you know, I have a bunch that I like, um, even as an adult, um, feature you know i think my first instinct if i see a new show with an asian cast is like oh I'll, I'll give it a try and then um there are shows that um i i don't end up rewatching um for for much longer um it, it's a great show and it's got a lot of accolades but like you know for example 
Um, Kim's Convenience, which is a show again on on Netflix or Amazon Prime, rather. Um, it features a cast of amazing Asian people who actually don't have accents, but they make him play an accent in the movie, um, particularly the father character. And like, I don't think that's necessary for the tone of the show. And I just think it's really cringy to make a dude without an accent portray a very stereotypical, stereotypical accent as an immigrant father. And maybe that's probably not a good enough reason to stop watching the show altogether, but it bothers me enough that I stopped doing it. Whatever it is, there's that. There's uh, Big Hero 6. There's Fresh Off the Boat. Boat. There's so many different shows that are now, hopefully, um, and especially with streaming, that we can target people without having to get ABC or NBC's approval. Um, but yeah, um, and if you're out there and you're a creator, um, please, you know, put us in the movies. Uh, put kids that look like us in these movies and these shows and uh, the scripts that you're writing. Um because I think it's healthy for me too. It's been really good for my own identity journey to see where I fit in this spectrum of things and, and how um, I, I matter too, because look, I have to watch it, right? I love to watch it with our kids. Um, but, you know, if there's a, uh, you know, as, as an immigrant person now, many, many years later, almost 30 years after we moved here, um, like where do I fit into this storytelling? Right, like what is what is our space? Um, we, we focus a lot on kids, but um, for parents out there trying to navigate this never done before balance of uh, trying to raise kids in America, but with right Asian and Korean values and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I who, who knows how long um, we're going to be at home much longer um, with with COVID and everything. Um, and then one more thing that I want to urge parents to do, if you can, if you're able to do so is to really influence and suggest these resources into your children's classrooms. Um, if there are books that you love that feature a diverse cast, um, if you can, buy some extra copies and give it to the school. Because um, we talk a lot about uh, these things that we want to share. And so if and when um, you feel comfortable sending your children back to school, I think it's also important to uh, gift these books uh, into places yeah. where more kids can see it. And some of these movies can be definitely a big um, a movie night, uh, kind of a movie for your children or sleepover movie for children. I think that would be really great um, to have other kids um, that might not be watching it because they're not exposed to it could watch it. The more the better. I hope we get to a point where if uh, future people have a show dedicated to talking about Asian representation or Korean representation in children's media, um, that there are so many shows that it just doesn't become a unique opportunity to share these stories. It feels like it now um, because there are really, we can probably put on a single sheet of paper every single movie and or children's cartoon that feature um, kids that look like us, again, in, in a very positive way that's not a stereotyped caricature of sorts. And so as we prepare to spend even more time at home with our kids, um, whether it is through COVID or uh, the holidays that are coming up, um, and as challenging and as uh, exhausting as this year has been, I um, want to encourage all of our friends out there to um, be a little bit more intentional, spend a little bit more time in thinking of what we're exposing our children to. Um, there's always a time for funny haha. There's always a time for um, watching what's popular or what's critically acclaimed, but um, 
the easiest way for more projects like Over the Moon and Bow to exist is for us to support it and by watching it. And obviously, we live in a data centric world that to show these play, you know, uh, investors and these uh, streaming services that this is good content that we care. Um, and so, yeah, um, if if you are able to, you know, uh, watch it a few times, share with your friends, buy some of these over the moon toys. Um, my son, the day after he watched it, said, "Hey, Appa, can we get a pet bunny?" And I said, "Hell no." <laughs> and so, um, if your if your kid wants a pet bunny too, I'm sorry. But yeah, let, let, let's show the world that, you know, our, our stories matter and then uh, normalize to our kids, too, that um, all these things really are normal to them. Um, I hope they grow up in a world where all this is normal. Any final thoughts from you, Jang, before we sign off? We talked a, touched a little bit about it uh, earlier, but I think with all the talks about movies and screen times um, and media representations, I think the biggest thing that I want to talk about and finish the talk today is to give yourself slack. Kids can watch a little bit more screen time if you need to. Um, I always say that happy parents make happy children. So if you need that little sliver of break, um, it's okay. And it doesn't have to be an Asian related movie that the kids have to see. It never had to be always educational. Um, kids also do need some uh, time to get their steam off. And so um, it's okay to have some screen time, enjoy your day with your child, um, and we can get through the COVID and this 2020 soon. Thank you. That's a fantastic point to end on. Um, in neighborhood groups and on parenting Facebook groups, there's a lot of shaming for, oh, I don't ever watch, I don't ever let my kids watch screen time until they're four because I'm a super parent. And there seems to be this subtle um, flexing and shaming of other people who don't do exactly as they do. Um, yeah, give yourself grace. And, you know, most of our kids, all of our kids will turn out just fine, regardless of, uh, you know, what parenting style or how much uh, TV that they watch. And um, just to add on to what Jang said, um, we're still in the middle of a stupid pandemic. And so, you know, take it, take it in stride um, and forgive yourself. Uh, I don't know when you're going to hear this, but, the elections tomorrow. So there's added anxiety and a lot of other stuff um, that we're thinking about. So uh, thanks again for tuning in. Um, look forward to your questions and your comments um, on an upcoming episode here. Um, follow us wherever you can at Korean American Parenting. And um, yeah, perhaps uh, consider spending a little bit of time this week or this weekend watching Over the Moon, Bow, or any of these amazing shows. And don't just stop there. Um, take the extra time to have these discussions if, with your kids, um, if they're old and mature enough to do so, on um, why we watch these things and why it's important for us. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Korean American Parenting Podcast. want to thank our guest and for you for joining us today as we share our stories and our perspectives along our own Korean American parenting journeys. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Korean American Parenting. And be sure to check out our website, KoreanAmericanParenting.com, to learn more about the podcast, about us, and about our community. Please take a moment to rate and review this episode if you are listening to us on Apple. And share this episode and this podcast with a friend or two in your life who you think would benefit from listening to us. Thanks again so much for tuning in. 
We wish you all the health and happiness as we go along our parenting journeys together. And we'll see you next time on the Korean American Parenting Podcast.